Ladies and gentlemen, the Brit Pack is back. Simon Head from Rochester in the UK. Chamat Karsandu from Toronto in Canada. The events keep on rolling. And uh, it's not just MMA events for, uh, for Mr. Sandu. He's got a big weekend of WWE action. So before we move on to all of the MMA stuff, Sandu, you got some you got some big WWE stuff on the uh, on on the slate this week. Yeah, absolutely. So the WWE they typically have like you know you know the major four events. You've got Royal Rumble in January. You've got WrestleMania, which takes place sometime in March, sometimes in April. You've got SummerSlam, which normally takes place in August, and then you've got Survivor Series, which is taking place this Sunday. So yeah, it's going to be a busy one. UFC pay per view. WWE pay-per-view on top of everything else that I normally do. So yeah, busy, hectic week, but I uh, I wouldn't want it any other way. Are they do is Survivor uh, the Survivor Series for me was all about those special Survivor Series matchups where they're in teams of four. Do they still do that? Is that still is that still the the thing, or is it just like another pay-per-view now? Just another pay-per-view. They still do that. So you have. The Raw men's team of five, you have the Raw women's team of five, and they'll be taking on the SmackDown men's team of five and the SmackDown women's team of five. So you'll still have the kind of classic Survivor Series match on top of all of the other marquee matchups as well. So yeah, it should be fun. It should be really good. Um, we obviously, you know, in terms of from a you know a British contingent, it's been a an absolute banner year having drew mcintyre hold the, the wwe championship you know beating brock lesnar at wrestlemania such a massive moment especially for for british pro wrestling to see one of your own make it all the way to the top and he's had an incredible run just recently dropped the belt to randy orton but we'll see we'll see what happens this week so yeah it's, it's, it's just a good time uh, for wwe for pro wrestling i feel like much like mma they've been able to ride out the storm that has been COVID-19 and just make it work. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, and it keeps, it keeps you employed as well, Sandy, which is no bad thing. So <laughs> that keeps, does help. Yeah. <laughs> it keeps the money coming in, but no, it's, it's, um, so, I mean, you've got quite a busy week ahead of you. Cause if you plan on consuming every piece of MMA available, I, I know you, I know that isn't always physically possible. You could be running, Basically, you could do Tuesday night, which is tomorrow night as we record this. We record this on a Monday evening. Wednesday night's kind of a night off. We've got Bellator on Thursday. You've got a couple of interesting Fight Pass events, which we'll talk about in a bit, on Friday. Then UFC Saturday. Then you've got the, the WWE pay-per-view on a Sunday. So your cup runneth over. It's going to be a busy week. Yeah, and my week normally starts with Raw on Monday. So I'm always on the shift for Raw. I'm always on the shift for Friday Night SmackDown. Throw in UFC on Saturday. Throw in a, a WWE pay-per-view on Sunday. It, it becomes a lot. And if you want to kind of check out and have a bit of a social life, it's um, it can be tricky at some you know, at some points. But but yeah, I don't I don't tip. I mean, look, I'll, I'll check out Bellator One, PFL, and everything else when I get the chance and when I'm able to. Usually it's just social clips for example i haven't been able to see a much of better tour recently but i did tune in for a couple of the fights last week which i thought were, were very interesting but yeah you know look at the end of the day we love what we do especially i to be involved in both mma and pro wrestling it's fantastic absolutely no complaints from my end whatsoever 
but I do try and make sure I check out so that you know I don't completely deplete all my energy levels for when I have to be quote unquote on for work. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's all about pacing yourself, isn't it? And uh, all those all those late yeah. nights. Well, I don't suppose they're that late for you now over there in, in Canada. They're a little bit more a little bit more sensible. But um, yeah, we will mark your card this week for uh, for everything that's coming up. There's a lot going on. Um, if you consider yourself a hardcore MMA fan, then uh, there is quite a lot to get your teeth into. But let's let's start things off, Sandu, with with what happened on Saturday night because. UFC Fight Night in Las Vegas. Um, it was a it was a remarkable event in many ways. the The main event basically fell fell out about a week. It was during Fight Week. I think it was the Monday of Fight Week. Um, Islam Makachev was forced to pull out of the card. He had a staff infection. Uh, had to had to withdraw from the event, leaving Rafael dos Anjos without an opponent. Step up, Paul Felder. Swapped the microphone for his mouthpiece. Jumps in and. Thanks largely to his input, serves up an absolute barn burner of a fight with Rafael dos Anjos. Brilliant, brilliant matchup. Real back and forth. Went to a split decision. Dos Anjos got the nod, but I think even though Felder ends up with another mark in in the loss column, I don't think you can really give the man anything but high praise for stepping in against a, a former world champion on about five days' notice. And uh, putting on such a such a great performance, and yeah, he lost, but I don't think it did his reputation or his standing in the UFC lightweight division any harm at all. Sandy, what did you make of that matchup? Look, at the end of the day, he was competitive. He took the fight on short notice, five days, and yeah, he was you know doing his triathlon exercises and, and what have you, which meant he was in decent shape. But it's still not a proper fight camp to take on one of the best in the world. So he really, you know, saved the UFC on this one and made a, get a good account of himself. He didn't get finished. He was competitive. I have to say, though, I, you know, I did score the fight 50-45 to RDA. I gave him every round. I was a little bit shocked. Actually, not a little bit. I, you know, very much shocked to see one scorecard in favour of Paul Felder for 48-47. But that to the side, RDA's back, Simon. He's back at lightweight. He has main evented a fight night card, taken out someone that's you know currently ranked in the top 10. RDA doesn't have a number next to his name at 155 pounds just yet, but he will very, very shortly, I would imagine. And I'm interested to see what the UFC do. Do they go back to the well one more time and try and make that matchup with Islam Makachev? Do they perhaps put him up against someone like a Charles Oliveira or a Dan Hooker, maybe a Justin Gaethje? That all remains to be you know to seen, but... The one thing I'm glad about is to see Paul Felder, who gave a very impassioned post-fight speech, not call time on his career. I think a few of us were thinking, well, is he stepping up? If he wins, he'll crack on and do maybe one or two more. If he loses, maybe he'll just call time. Not the case whatsoever. He's made a promise that he'll be back in the octagon in 2021. And I can't wait to see what the Irish Dragon can do with a full training camp in uh, in a few months from now, I would imagine. He'll probably want to get back in there as soon as possible. Yeah, um, going back to what you said about um, the scorecards and all the rest of it, I thought I thought Dosan just won the fight, but I do think the Felder was competitive. I think some of those rounds were pretty close. So whether you go forty, you know, fifty forty five, forty nine forty six, even forty eight forty seven, because some of those rounds were pretty competitive and close, 
really depends on on um, on 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 how you're how you're watching it and how you're scoring it. But and I I didn't actually score it as I went along. But my general feeling was that Rafael de Sanchez was the guy winning the rounds. He was the guy who just seemed to he looked he looked like the man who had had, had the full training camp. I mean, Felder came in and did what he did, and it was it was remarkable to see. But RDA looked like the guy who was, you know, he was in peak condition for that fight. And he's he's one of the most well-rounded guys at 155. He had that run at 170 that ultimately wasn't overly successful for him. He's now back at 55 where he's, he used to hold the title. And the tricky thing for him now, Sandu, is that that lightweight division is an absolute murderer's row. You know, it is it, whichever way you look at it, you say he hasn't got a number next to his name. I would assume he does. As of Tuesday, when they bring out the uh, when they bring out the rankings, the question is how how does he how does he fit in? You know, you mentioned Oliveira; he would be an interesting one. Um, Gaethje would be an interesting one, um, but it is it is hard because, like, he called out or he didn't call out Conor McGregor. He suggested that it might be worth revisiting the Conor McGregor booking. They've got some past. He said they're the only two undisputed or real champions as he described it left in the division they were booked to fight they never fought why not make it happen that's a that's a fair call out i don't think it's going to happen for him though i think there's far, there are far bigger fish to fry at 55 for conor mcgregor um donald cowboy cerrone announced on social media that he's coming back down to lightweight maybe that's a fight for half old los angeles i think they've fought before but that would be another another interesting one but yeah it is tough but one thing is for sure, he's back. He's back at 55. He's in his best weight class and uh, heading into the veteran stages of his career, he'll need to get a move on. Um, so I can only imagine that he'll be canvassing the UFC matchmakers for top five, top six opposition next. Because if he wants to get back to that belt, he's going to need to he's going to need to knock over some big names. But um, a good fight, you know. When 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 your main event falls through during fight week. Um, and the rest of the fight card isn't packed with big names. It must have been a little bit of a worry for the UFC, at least for a while there. Um, so I hope Paul Felder got well remunerated for his uh, for 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 his performance uh, and for stepping in at such short notice. I think he's even going to be calling the fights at Contender Series on Tuesday. So um, you know he had the, he had the fight on the Saturday, and now he's putting the suit back on for Tuesday night. So all all kudos to him got to talk about the co-main event sandu the co-main event chaos williams versus abdul razak al hassan al hassan is an absolute berserker he goes in there he throws heavy leather he knocks people out chaos williams just went in there hit him with a straight a straight right from the gods and just completely starched him one of the cleanest slickest one punch knockouts i've seen in a long long time and that's two huge knockouts for Chaos Williams in his UFC career now. He looks like a real problem at 170 pounds. And I'm looking forward to see what happens with him next. Yeah, this was one of those fights where you earmark, don't blink. It's not going to decision. Abdul Razak Al-Hassan has 10 wins, 10 finishes by knockout or TKO, all in the first round. The two losses prior to this fight that he had on his record were both decision losses. And so for Chaos Williams to hand him his first L via knockout in the most brutal fashion in the first round within 30 seconds, just incredible. And I'll tell you what, as the kind of card was progressing, Simon, through the prelims, some 
you know, competitive fights, but a lot of decisions. You get to the, the Sean Strickland TKO win over Brendan Allen, and you're right, finally, we've got to finish on our hands. But then, out of, out of nowhere, Chaos Williams just delivers a highlight real KO, one for the ages, one of the best knockouts you'll see from the UFC in 2020. And obviously, he got a performance on right bonus uh, for that as well. And now he's obviously got his name out there. Dana White, I'm sure, was loving it. You know, it went viral on social media. Chaos Williams is another name to look out for at 170 pounds. Yeah, and with a name like Chaos, I mean, people are immediately going to be drawn to you anyway. So, um, Chaos by name, Chaos by nature, I suppose. He just goes in there and just wrecks shop. I mean, it was... He did it against Alex Morono on his debut, and uh, he thought, okay, he's now going in there with a guy who's going to, who's, you know, a big, strong, tough guy who can really bang. Didn't matter, 30 seconds, boosh, finished. Unbelievable performance from Chaos Williams. You mentioned the rest of the card was a little bit run of the mill, if we're honest. A little bit run of the mill. Sean Strickland picking up the TKO of Brendan Allen. Notable win because Allen arrived in the UFC not all that long ago with a little bit of momentum so for Strickland who's now I think he's won two fights in the space of like three weeks or something um after being away for a long time so that's a big win for him rest of that fight card there were a couple of interesting wins but really uh the one I wanted to talk to you about was the Corey McKenna versus Kay Hansen fight Corey McKenna making a UFC debut uh the youngest member of the UFC roster I believe against someone who may have been the previous youngest member of the UFC roster before McKenna signed both 21 years old. Uh, I know there was a reasonable amount of hype behind Kay Hansen. And you can kind of tell from the way the commentary went in that fight that a lot of people were, were quite high on Kay Hansen within the UFC bubble. But Corey McKenna went in there and I thought she did a superb job. I thought her boxing was better than Hansen. Uh, and, I, I, in, you know, she was taken down a couple of times. But when it came to the action on the mat, uh, it was McKenna who was doing the damage it was McKenna who was being positive and I thought all around it was a really really encouraging first performance for such a young fighter to, in, in in the UFC debut it was a, a big win um, and uh, you know she's got good people in a corner as well Sandu you know she's got Jack Mason who uh, UK MMA fans will be very familiar with him he's been around the scene for a long time both as fighter and as a coach but he's also got uh, sorry she's also got the team alpha male uh, camp in her corner, Uriah Faber um, in, in, in the corner as well. So, um, you know, I think she's got the right people with her and she picked up a really big win, really impressed. I mean, what did you think of her performance? Yeah, fantastic. First female in the UFC from Wales. So that's obviously a, a great thing to have on your resume, breaking, breaking the mould, paving the way for perhaps other ladies from Wales to come through the mixed martial arts scene in the regional circuit, make it to the UFC. Kay Hansen was a tough opponent. And, and this was one of those fights where you're looking at the future of the division in many respects, right? A couple of girls in the early 20s, you know, going at it. They, they, might, they may even fight a few more times down the road, Simon, at some point, right? Kay Hansen, if folks don't um, you know, remember, back in June, she beat Jin Yu Fry uh, via submission, via a third round armbar. But the story of that, moment and that fight for her was the fact that she was a um you know obviously taking on a former champion from Invicta who had a lot of hype behind her but there was a, a chap in Las Vegas who put an extraordinary amount of money 
on Kay Hansen to win. So much so that it, it, it caused headlines, people were writing articles about it because she ended up actually running into him, I believe at the airport, and they took a, a picture together. So that was a fun moment for her. Now, bringing it back to this past weekend, I have to say, again, a very competitive fight. I did score the fight for Kay Hansen. So I do feel like Corey McKenna, perhaps a little bit fortunate to have got uh, the 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 judges nod on the, on the scorecards there. I was checking out uh, Verdict MMA, which is kind of like a a fan based, user based uh, decimal point system sc- scorecard, and the global scorecard actually had it in favor of Kay Hansen as well. So that was a little bit interesting. But listen, the three most important people, like we always say, their scorecard is the one that matters. That's the one that goes into the record book. Corey McKenna gets a, a a win on her UFC debut proper, you know, on a fight night card. And yeah, look, you know, she's only 21, right? So let's see what the ceiling is for her. A lot of maturity, a lot of development to go. But as you mentioned, all those names, Jack the Stonemason, Uriah Faber, she's got great guys in her camp, in her corner. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what she can do and to push on from here in 2021. Yeah, it was a super competitive fight. It could easily have gone the other way. I scored it 29-28 for McKenna. Um, I just thought her work was a little bit a little bit more effective. I thought her striking was more effective. I thought her grappling uh, when she was down there or the work on the ground was more effective. But it's super close fight. I was I was slightly surprised that it was read as a unanimous decision because I did I did think it was a close fight. But um, yeah, great news for uh, for the Brit Pack. Another British fighter picking up a win. Unfortunately, it could it, we, we couldn't make it two from two on the night. Uh, Reese McKee losing out to Alex Morono uh, in the second fight of the night. The one thing we did see from that, Reese McKee has a chin of iron. Alex Morono can bang, and uh, he connected clean on Reese McKee's chin a lot during that fight. Um, but McKee um, hung tough, stayed in there, went the distance. But um, when the scorecards were were being read, there was no doubt as to who was going to get his hand raised. Uh, so he's now 0-2 in the UFC and uh, fingers crossed for uh, for a win for Skeletor next time out. That, I think, Sandu, is pretty much it for for Saturday night. Very quickly before we move on talking about what we've got coming up. Thursday night saw um, Bellator uh, get the Featherweight Grand Prix tournament back up and running. Um, Thursday night is Bellator night these days, um, which is great. I love the fact that they've got their own day. It doesn't interfere with the UFC. You don't have that weird situation of, okay, I like the fight on this card, but that overall card is stronger. Which one do I watch? And flick in between channels. Bellator on a Thursday, UFC on a Saturday, all is well. And all was well on the fight card on, on Thursday night. Saturday. Really good card of fights. Really good card of fights, but very quickly, just to bring it bang up to speed with, with the... The, uh, the results that really matter. Aaron Pico, huge, huge finish of John De Jesus. He is back up and running and looking looking very, very tasty. He's moved up to seven and three. Had a few little wobbles earlier in his career, but he's looking like the real deal at 145. Then we had uh, the Grand Prix quarterfinal between Emmanuel Sanchez and Daniel Weichel, um from Germany. Sanchez getting the win by unanimous decision. Pretty pretty dominant performance, really, from Emmanuel Sanchez. And he will face Patricio Pitbull Fiheri, who picked up a knockout win, first-round knockout win of Pedro Carvalho from uh, SBG Dublin. Um, 
one of my favourite people to talk to in the sport, Pedro Carveo. He's just incredibly positive, upbeat guy, and his reaction to the defeat carried that on. Top class reaction uh, on social media. Um, no excuses, you know, just saying that he's gonna he's gonna just kick on and improve and get better. Um, but uh, Patricio Pitbull moves into the semis. He'll face Emmanuel Sanchez. The winner of that will obviously move on to the final as champion and will face the winner of a fight that will take place on this Thursday, AJ McKee versus Darian Caldwell uh, in the other semi-final. Caldwell, the former bantamweight champion, has moved up to featherweight. AJ McKee, still unbeaten, still looking like the real deal at 145 pounds. And uh, all the smart money is on a Patricio Pitbull AJ McKee final, and that will be dynamite. Um, but yes, that second, that that first semi-final will, will go down this Thursday night at Bellator 253. Um, so that's your Bellator stuff taken care of, Sandu. Also, Benson Henderson's back in action on Thursday night against Jason Jackson at 170. That's worth a look as well. And Baby Slice is on that card as well, if you uh, you fancy following his progress as well. But that's Bellator sorted. Um, we've also got some really interesting stuff happening at Invicta FC, Sandu. Yeah, so Kayla Harrison... PFL 155 champion obviously hasn't been able to compete this year and pretty much no one from the PFL has been able to compete because they've let a few people go. They gave a few guys and girls some stipends to kind of just, you know, keep them going through the pandemic and what have you. And then out of the blue, there was an announcement that Harrison's going to take on King uh, and Victor this week and notable that it's going to be at 145 pounds. Um, obviously I think a lot of people think Kayla Harrison at some point will make it to the UFC if she kind of goes on this trajectory but they ain't going to have a 155 pound weight class they barely have a 145 pound weight class so to see her compete at featherweight is very interesting and very notable I have to say I wonder how many other fighters on the banner for the PFL are a little bit annoyed or are a little bit sassy about this situation because she's able to compete in 2020 you know, get another pro fight on her record, pick up a, a payday, get some more experience. I'm sure the likes of a Brendan Lochnane would have loved to have compete, competed this year, hasn't been given or afforded the opportunity. But that's just the way the cookie crumbled at the moment, I guess, with regards to how COVID is impacting promotions and how promotions are doing their best to deal with it. Even the UFC, there's probably tons of fighters on the overall UFC roster who probably haven't had a chance to compete at all this year. While some have been able to compete, you know, three, four, even five times, you know. So, yeah, that's a notable one this week. Kayla Harrison back in action. She's undefeated, PFL champion, and she's going to be taken on King at Invicta FC 43. And then keeping on the PFL news cycle, some breaking news Today, before we jumped on to record this episode, they have signed free agent Fabrizio Verdum, former UFC heavyweight champion. He's going to be competing in the PFL 2021 season. And I have to say, I think it's a good move for the PFL for a few different reasons. Number one, they've got an anchor now for that division, a name. So when the, when the heavyweights compete both in the regular season and then obviously in the playoffs, if Verdum makes it through to the playoffs... He's going to be a name everyone's going to know. He's going to be a name that can slap on a poster, on a marquee. He can do interviews and all the rest of it. And he's someone that you'll want to tune in to watch compete. 
The other thing that is interesting about this signing and why I think it's a good move for a few different reasons is, number one, if he goes all the way next year, Simon, wins the PFL Championship, picks up that million-dollar check, it's like, right, Fabrizio Verdum's back. He's competed three or four times throughout the uh, you know, out the, the calendar year or throughout the season, playoffs, and, and all the rest of it in championship. And he's still got it. He's still the man. He's still one of the best heavyweights in the world. And on the flip side of that, if one of the other heavyweights is able to knock him out or defeat him, whether it's, again, during the regular season or perhaps in one of the playoff fights where they have to fight twice and win twice in the same night, to proceed to the championship, then all of a sudden, perhaps a lesser known name becomes an overnight star or is someone that we're going to be talking about because he's just defeated Fabrizio Verdun, one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. So yeah, good move for the PFL and good move for Fabrizio Verdun, I guess. It means that if things go his way in 2021, he's going to be a busy boy. Yeah, I, I love the PFL format. It's, it's frustrating that and I understand why they've 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 shut down their operation because because it's a season. Going event to event isn't really possible. You know, you need to know that you can fulfil all of your fixtures, so to speak, in order for the season to stay intact. So I understand why that they why why they put the season on hiatus and they basically took a year off. Have they've had a gap year basically, um, and they put their fighters on uh, on on a on a stip end, but. That's not really enough, you know. Um, so it's it's good that Kayla Harrison is fighting. Um, she will obviously move back to the PFL roster for the 2021 season. After that, who knows, right? Um, as for the Fabrizio Vadum signing, completely agree with you. I think I think it's a, it's it's a good fit. I think it is a good fit. Um, obviously, the champion over there, Ali Isayev, um, he voiced a few um, frustrations a few months ago about not being able to fight. He's it an age where he's in the veteran stage of his career, really. And he's, in his, I think he's in his mid thirties, um, which I guess for a heavyweight is young, especially if you're a Bellator, if you're a Bellator heavyweight, that makes you pretty much a baby. But, um, but you know, he wants to make sure that he's fighting during his peak years. And I think missing an entire year of competition has been frustrating to him. He'll be itching to go in, uh, in 2021. And uh, that matchup here from when we see it will be one worth watching. Ali Isayev versus, Fabricio Verdum. And who knows, we may be getting some more free agent signings uh, down down the road for the PFL. But I, I love the format of the PFL and it'll be something that'll be really fun to follow as we go through the season. Um, speaking of uh, other promotions, two other little news items. First one, LFA 95 goes down on Friday night, uh, also on UFC Fight Pass. So you've got Invicta and LFA holding events on UFC Fight Pass this Friday night. Um and this is notable. I mean, LFI events are always pretty good fun to watch anyway, but this one is particularly notable for the third fight from the top of the card. Alex Pereira is uh, going to make his LFA debut. He's 2-1 and one as a mixed martial artist, but he's looking to make his uh, LFA debut this weekend against 4-4 four and four, Thomas Powell at £185. Why is this notable? Alex Pereira beat Israel Adesanya twice in the space of a year during their kickboxing career, beaten by decision. And then nine, uh, 11 months later, knocks him out cold. You can see that. Uh, the video's all over YouTube. Google it, YouTube it, find it. It was a, a huge left hand, just absolutely laid him out like a patio. So 
Alex Pereira has a lot of hype behind him in that respect. Uh, they're already calling him the best striker in mixed martial arts now that he's now officially making his run in in MMA. And uh, LFA is renowned as being a, a bit of a feeder promotion for the UFC. So who knows what might happen. If Pereira can make a big statement with a big win on his LFA debut, it might not be that long before he gets the call to move himself up and try and get him up that 185-pound roster. It reminds me a little bit of when the UFC was signing Joe Duffy and they had that narrative of this is the guy that beat Conor McGregor and they never could quite make the two uh, meet. You know, they, they they couldn't quite get Duffy far enough up the rankings to make that match up a, a possibility. Maybe they can do this in the, in the months and years ahead with Alex Pereira and we could see a rematch between the two former kickboxing rivals inside the octagon. So that would be an interesting one. And final piece of news, Sandu, is just a story that a story that I actually broke from my junkie during the week. Um, Cage Warriors are going international. Yeah, they've done shows in Europe and all the rest of it, and they did they've done shows in Jordan in the past. Graham Boylan messaged me um, pretty much half past midnight on Tuesday night or something, Tuesday night or Wednesday night, um, saying, "What do you think of this?" And he showed me. He he sent me a letter. From the California State Athletic Commission, he now has a promoter's license for the California State Athletic Commission. Cage Warriors can now hold events in the state of California. They will be holding events in the state of California as early as the end of Q1 next year. Um, That's what they're looking at. They're looking to do four shows in California in 2021. Try and get one in, end of Q1, beginning of Q2. And then they're going to look to host shows. And it's not going to be a separate thing. So it's Cage Warriors is one one roster. They'll bring in some American guys to join the roster. But the names that people are familiar with fighting for Cage Warriors, they will bring the best of those guys over to fight the best prospects from the States in California. It just pushes that brand even further. So if you're a fan of what Cage Warriors have been doing over on my side of the pond, it's time to get excited about what they might be about to do on your side of the pond, Sandu, because they're coming to the west coast of the United States. And uh, that should make for for more fun and games on UFC Fight Pass in 2021. Yeah, and this has been a long time coming. I remember Graham Boylan talking about going to the States years ago when I was first covering the regional circuit in the UK, trying to make a name for myself as a member of the media. I remember him talking about going to the States and them having a couple of announcements here and there. Seven years ago, eight years ago, this has been a long, long, long time coming, and I saw him tweet out the um, the, the California State Athletic Commission, I guess, uh, the approval of the license, and I'm right. Okay, well, they're in business now. It's an interesting time to have applied for it and get the approval. Obviously, with COVID and all the rest of it, you would think that Cage Warriors could probably pull off events safely um, with all the resources and connections that they have within the UK versus going perhaps international but hey let's see what happens and if they can perhaps when i work with the gyms and the camps out you know based in california this could be really interesting you know who wouldn't want to see a paddy pimblet go over there and fight some of the best guys over from the 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 top uh, camps in california and who knows maybe this is you know where dana white's you know looking for a fight can come into play 
perhaps they can work with the UFC in that regard. You know, Vegas, you know, if, if they've got the California approval already, I'm sure they're working on a Nevada license application as well because the UFC and Cage Warriors have worked together fairly well and they've got a good and healthy relationship. I can definitely see them getting the Nevada application approval at some point down the road and then all of a sudden you can have Cage Warriors events taking place in the Apex. That They've got everything there. They've got the gyms, the facilities, they're working on a hotel, they've got broadcast production facilities. It's obviously broadcast on Fight Pass anyway, so to be completely vertically integrated with that regard is going to be interesting. And I think Dana White's already kind of planted a few seeds in recent press conferences where he's talked about you know, how tough it's going to be for the next year to get you know young up-and-coming talent because the regional shows are, are struggling to put on events here we go cage warriors about to go into california you know in a matter of months very very interesting and uh, just to kind of go back onto the first piece of news that you mentioned simon regarding alex Pereira, you completely read my mind the joe duffy conor mcgregor situation it just jumps out at me with regards to lfa signing alex Pereira, him having a win over israel adesanya for the life of me, I just don't know why Joe Duffy was reluctant to really push for a Conor McGregor fight and really go for it in interviews when he had the chance to. I've got a feeling if Alex Pereira's career in LFA goes well, the goal ultimately would be to sign with the UFC because Israel Adesanya is one of the biggest names in the sport. And it's such an easy way to promote and market a fight. You know, your past coming back to haunt you and all the rest of it. Um, so yeah, that's very, very interesting. I'm glad to see Alex Pereira make the, the move full-time now into MMA. And he's going to be someone we should keep an eye on in 2021. Yeah, I mentioned uh, he's got a two-on-one record, but those fights happened a long time ago. Um, so, um, you know, he's basically returning to the sport proper now. And he's he's really going to go for it. And as you say, I don't think he's going to be shy of uh, letting his letting him you know, letting his wishes be known that he wants to get in there and uh, have another crack at Israel Adesanya at some point in the future. So, of course, Israel Adesanya, undefeated. Imagine that. He's, imagine him still being undefeated and on top of the world by the time Alex Pereira makes his way into the UFC middleweight division and maybe into the middleweight division top five. That would be really interesting if we could get to that point. Um, I'm guessing, unless they start doing some serious fast tracking, that probably won't happen for another 18 months. But there's a path to take now, and that storyline is now beginning to be written, and I think that'll be a really interesting one to watch. So you can watch Pereira uh, LFA this Friday night on Fight Pass. Invicta also Friday on Fight Pass. We've got Bellator, uh, Sky Sports in the UK, and uh, it'll be Zone CBS Sports Network, I think, um, stateside. Um but that's all your midweek stuff. Also, there's, there is a one championship event on Friday, early doors. Not a lot of MMA on it. There's mostly uh, kickboxing. I think the top of the card is a couple of kickboxing and Muay Thai fights. Bruno Pucci is the highest ranked MMA fight on that card. Um, he, for those who are wondering where that name is from, he's Mr. Angela Lee. Um, he's An Angela Lee's husband. They uh, both won championship athletes and he is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world champion. So um, he's taking on Kwon Won Il from South Korea, who is decent. Um, and if I was a betting man, I'd probably be uh, siding slightly towards Kwon Won Il getting that one done. Um, he's a, a, a very useful 
featherweight in the one championship division. So that'll be an interesting one to watch. Um, not too much else on that card. It's a very small card. As I say, Rocky Ogden, the Australian kickboxer, is in the co-main event against Joseph Vaziri. And uh, Aslanbak Zikirev versus Jung Wang Wang. I've probably butchered the name. In the main event, uh, both kickboxing. It's a kickboxing fight, Muay Thai fight. But before then, Bruno Pucci. That is your early fight night on uh, on Friday. Uh, coming to you from Singapore. That is pretty much everything before we hit the big one. UFC 255, Sandu. Davison Figueredo versus Alex Perez is the main event. Valentina Shevchenko versus Jennifer Might is the co-main event. Both flyweight titles up for grabs. Now, the flyweight divisions in the main aren't the... Uh, aren't the most hyped divisions in the UFC. Valentina Shevchenko, one of the most dominant champions in the UFC. They're struggling to find a decent opposition. And the and the flyweight title in the UFC has never really been given the shine over the years. But these should be two good fights. But the whole fight card, you look down this fight card, strength in depth is what I'm thinking. You look at these matchups, there are some absolute bangers. And we could this could be a really, really fun night of fights, Sandu. Yeah, I mean, I don't know where you want to start. If you want to start from the bottom and work our way to the top or start from the top and work our way down. But yeah, like you named it. Uh, I mean, you said it, Simon. We already had the last major pay-per-view of the year, you know, with one of the biggest stars in the sport, with Khabib competing, what, about a month ago now, right? And that was UFC 254. So we have a couple of more pay-per-views left to round out the year. They are not going to be gangbuster numbers. We know that. But... They're as about as good as it gets when you think about what hardcore fight fans like to see, right? So let's let's start with the top, Simon. Let's start with the top and work our way down and cherry pick some of the fights that we like. But Davison Figueredo versus Alex Perez and Valentina Shevchenko versus Jennifer Meyer. For me, Simon, these are as close to showcase fights as you can get for the champions. I've, I really feel like Figueredo and Shevchenko are going to win these fights. I think they're going to be statement wins. I see them both finishing their opponents. And coming out of this upcoming weekend, they're going to still be the king and queen at £125. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that, in my opinion. You know, not every. I mean, Jennifer Meyer is just coming off a, a, one, a one win and she's straight in there, you know, fighting for the title. And with regards to Alex Perez, we know that you know, 125 pounds isn't exactly, you know, the biggest and most in-depth roster that the UFC has. But here you have someone that's come in. He's got three wins under his belt, couple of finishes. Boom, here you go, title shot. For me, what I'd like to see from this upcoming week is for both Shevchenko and Figueredo to take advantage of the situation. They don't have like a big name to cast a shadow over both of them. They don't have a Conor McGregor at the top of the bill, an Israel Adesanya, a heavyweight title fight. Usually, that's where these title fights play second fiddle, you know? They're the co-main event. But in this occasion, it's all about... It's a, it's a massive spotlight on them. Davidson Figueredo, we all know, I want to see him be flashy like he has been in the past. Wear the shirt, wear the shades, cut the promos... You know, that's he's a fun guy both in and out of the octagon. And for Valentina Shevchenko, it's just to continue to be as dominant as you have been. And in my opinion, she's probably the best fight, the best female fighter in the world, not named Amanda Nunes. 
So for her is to continue to push that narrative. Obviously, she's fought Amanda a few times. It hasn't gone her way. I know she wants to get back to her New Day's fight at some point down the road. But for the time being, just to continue to solidify herself as the absolute best in 125 pounds is, is what I want to see. And yeah, look, you know, she's someone that can speak multiple languages. She's got her sister fighting on the car. So I'm sure that will weave into the, the, the fight week shenanigans and, you know, the, the narrative as it plays out. But... Yeah, I'm looking forward to these fights, Simon. It's almost like, remember back in the day when Mike Tyson used to fight? It wasn't always about the opponent. It was because Mike Tyson's going to fight. Shevchenko and Figueredo, they finish fights. They, they very rarely go to decision. So yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, it's interesting. The wrinkle that I'm particularly interested in with the Figueredo-Perez fight is that the only guy to beat Davison Figueredo is Juicy F. Formiga. Alex Perez's last win... His last fight was a first round leg kick TKO finish of Juicier Formiga. So if you want to go down the MMA math route, Alex Perez wins on Saturday night. We don't deal in MMA math because I'm terrible at maths and it very rarely comes out right anyway. Figueredo should be the big betting favorite heading into this. I would expect him to get the job done. But don't sleep on Perez. I think he's going to offer a fair amount of resistance in that fight and it could turn out to be uh, a pretty entertaining main event. Um, in some ways, I'm slightly surprised that Valentina Shevchenko wasn't given the main event slot just because she's the established champion. She's been around for longer. She really, I think, is the biggest star on this card. So it is. I guess her matchup isn't as strong a matchup as the Figueredo Perez fight. I know they tend to they tend to put the heavier weight class at the top, but they're both flyweight, so. There's no reason why they couldn't have done it. Um, but I think maybe they wanted to have a potential barn burner as the main event. I don't, with all due respect to, to, to Jennifer Meyer, I can't see her beating Valentina Shevchenko. Now, I might be proved wrong on fight night, but it'll be me and most of the rest of the MMA world being proved wrong. I think you'll, you'll, you'll do well to find people who can really, really side with Jennifer Meyer as a, as a legitimate challenge to Valentina Shevchenko on Saturday night. I just think Shevchenko is in another world in terms of her, in terms of her skills at 125 pounds. And as you say, people will watch her to see how she gets it done. How will she deal with Jennifer Meyer? Will she labor to a victory? I know she's been away for a little bit with an injury. How will she react? Has the layoff hindered her or is she going to come back fresh? Um, and if and when she gets that win, how will she then address her next challenge will she start calling out amanda nunez are there other contenders at 125 that she decides that yeah i want to take on this one next so or will she maybe announce a move back up to bantamweight and really sort of turn the screw i mean who knows she's got nothing to prove at 25 anymore so really interested to see not just the fight from valentina shevchenko but what she plans to do next because really there isn't a hell of a lot left for her to do at £125 in the UFC. So uh, I'm looking forward to watching that. Rest of the fight card, Sandu, is all killer, no filler. I mean, we've we've got some recognisable names in there. We've got a few names that maybe aren't, aren't uh, household names yet, but will deliver the goods on fight night. Let's just work down this list. Mike Perry, Tim Means, just light the blue touch paper, retire to a safe distance and enjoy that is going to be fireworks. 
Yeah, Mike Perry coming off a win over Mickey Gall. I don't know how this one's going to play out, which is why I'm kind of you know so interested to see how this one actually does play out. Obviously, Mike Perry was supposed to be fighting uh, former welterweight champion Robbie Lawler. Lawler obviously had to um, pull out of the fight due to an undisclosed injury. Up steps the Dirty Bird, Tim Means, who hasn't himself exactly been consistent with the, with getting wins either. But we all know on you know on his day he can really turn it on. So that's going to be a barn burner, like you said. Just you know step back. That I don't see that one going to decision. I think they're both going to go hell for leather and and trade and, and see see you know who can withstand whose punch power. That's going to be fun. Then you've got Caitlin Jukagian versus Cynthia Calvillo, and then to kick off the main card, a rematch. Mauricio Shogun Hua versus Scotland's Paul Craig. They fought pretty much exactly a year ago, and uh, that one ended in a in a split draw. So great to see you know again someone from the British contingent not only get one of the the biggest names in the sports history, but also get a slot on a pay per view main card. Great, great, great situation there for Paul Craig Simon. Yeah, and I I just love watching Paul Craig fight because. It's always drama. There's always drama. I mean, I'd hate to be one of his family members watching him fight because more often than not, he ends up getting absolutely pummeled at some point during the fight. And then when things go well for him, he then turns the fight around and pulls off a dramatic submission to get the win. Um, other times, he just continues to get pummeled and gets beat. So it's it's a tough one. But he, he looked really good. He looked really good last time out, and I think the Shogun fight is the fight that he's wanted for a little while. Ever since that, first, ever since that first meeting, there's there's some closure that needs to be dealt with here. You know, you can't you can't leave a draw hanging in the air and not go back and have a rematch. So I'm glad that that fight eventually got made. I think there were injuries and things that maybe pre- prevented it from happening earlier. We've got the fight now. Hopefully, they both get to fight night, and uh, we get to see that very contrasting styles. But um, yeah, really looking forward to that one. Um, before that one, I mean, the prelims have got some got some absolute bangers on it as well. Flyweight, Brandon Moreno versus Brandon Royval. The winner of that fight may well be the next number one contender to uh, to fight for the belt. And also, the weigh-ins on Friday will be well worth watching because who knows what might happen with that main event. If something falls through, if one of those guys fails to make weight, Brandon Moreno or Brandon Royval may well get the call to move up to the main event and fight for the belt. Make you watch those two on weighing day. They will not be aiming for 126 on the scale. They'll be aiming for 125 just in case. And they'll want to get on the scale early, hit 125, and then sit back and uh, see what happens. But both of those two outstanding. Moreno's obviously been around the UFC a little bit longer. Uh, but Royval's coming to the UFC, I think, just this year, and has looked really good. Uh, a really, really good addition. Exciting fighter, good everywhere. And uh, if he bre- if he beats the assassin baby Moreno on Saturday night, then I think he's a shoe in for the next title shot. Um, the next fight, or the fight that comes before that, Sandu, I'm going to leave that one for you. That is, I think that's another fight that's just going to serve up absolute fireworks at 185 pounds. Well, look, you talk about fireworks, you talk about highlight real knockouts. How about, Simon, arguably, arguably the greatest knockout in UFC history? Because Joachim Buckley is coming off just that. For many people, his spinning back heel flying kick 
that just set the world on fire. When you've got Kanye West dropping a video of you knocking somebody out against one of his new songs on his social media, that tells you everything you need to know about something from this sport and something from the UFC just transcending, just completely bursting through the bubble, bursting through the ceiling. Not That is not just combat sports, but sports in general to create a real, real viral moment. So <laughs> no pressure, right, Simon? Uakin Buckley taking on Jordan Wright at middleweight. He's part of the prelims and he's got his opportunity to get one more fight in before the end of the year. So look, it's highly unlikely that he's going to serve up another moment like that. It's it's very, very highly unlikely. I think what he needs to do is just to kind of keep the train chugging along, make the most of fight week opportunities, obviously perform well on Saturday night. If he can finish his opponent, fantastic. It, like if he goes for something spectacular and it and it doesn't you know work out and he gets beat, then you know it may just be one of the situations where people look back at that one moment he had, and then all of a sudden the flash in the pan. He just needs to to you know take advantage of the situation that he's in, where there's a lot of talk about him because of his last performance. It's going to be a tough one. Jordan Wright's a tough opponent, but I'm looking forward to seeing what Jacques Buckley does. Yeah, and you say Jordan Wright is a tough opponent. Jordan Wright might end up being the betting favourite going into this fight. He is 11-0, Sandu. 10 of those, all, all 11 wins inside the distance. 10 of them in the first round. Um, this guy is a bona fide finisher of fights. He made his UFC debut on short notice at light heavyweight against uh, Ike Villanueva. Finished him with ease. With ease. And now he's moving back down to his natural weight class of 185 pounds. He, I, I was super impressed with him on his debut. He looks, he looks like he could be a real, a real problem, Jordan. Right, the Beverly Hills Ninja, great fight nickname as well. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, if I'm picking that fight, I think I'm picking Jordan Wright to win it. I really do. Jackin Buckley has got the recency bias in terms of he's got the highlight real finish. But I just think Jordan Wright might might have the game to beat him. That to me is gonna it's gonna produce something pretty spectacular because Jordan Wright is a very flashy striker himself. So that one could be a blink and you miss it fight. Uh, and that's relatively early in the night as well. You know, that's uh it's sort of towards the top of the prelim card. So that'll be well worth checking out. You mentioned Antonina Shevchenko, sister of Valentina Shevchenko. She's got a tough fight as well against Ariana Lipsky, a former KSW champion, the violence queen. Um, that'll be an interesting one at 125. But the other one I wanted to talk to you about, Sandy, was the one that precedes that. 170 pounds. Nicholas Dalby um, has got an opponent change for this one. He's taking on Daniel Rodriguez, who at 170 pounds is legit. 13 and 1. He's coming to the UFC looks really, really good. Uh, he's taking a fight at short notice after um, Orion Kosky, who was Dalby's original opponent, uh, was forced off the card. Um, so Dalby has managed to stay on the card. Dalby always brings it. Rodriguez always brings it. That's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, this is a, this is a tough opponent for Nicholas Dalby. Yes, it's a short notice fight, and Daniel Rodriguez is coming in on just like a week or two's notice here but 
It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy for Nicholas Dalby because, again, he's not exactly been, you know, the man on form. He wins, he loses, he wins, he loses. But Dan Rodriguez is really in a, a, a bunch of form here. But I want to go back to something you said earlier, Simon. And that goes back to the Brandon Moreno, uh, Brandon Royval weigh-in situation. Not to completely uh, replay what you said, but look at what we've seen in the Apex versus Fight Island. And it's not just on this recent run, Simon. It's been throughout the entire year since the UFC started to shift between the two sites to hold these run of events. They're having issues in Vegas with fighters that are either pulling out for COVID-19 reasons or injury or weight cutting related issues. And the weight cutting related issues are because there's a lot of fighters taking these um, opportunities on short notice and they just can't cut the mustard and they just can't get it done in time you know it's, it's, it's a lot to ask sometimes and you take a fight on days notice like Paul Felder who fantastically got the job done but in other situations you're seeing fighters struggle so let's see if Daniel Rodriguez can comfortably make weight and if he does will that have an impact on his performance against Nicholas Dalby let's see let's see what happens with Dennis uh, Davidson Figueredo right at the top of the bill there's been issues you know the, the, the very first fight that he had for the flyweight title he had a problem, you know, he beat Joseph Benavidez, but he wasn't able to win the championship because he didn't make weight. So it's going to be interesting, not just for this particular weekend, but throughout the, the rest of the end of this year, Simon. Fight Island, they've just got it figured out. They've really got it, you know, nipped in a the bud there. Like they just, there's been few and the issues have been few and far between. In the apex, they're a little bit more rampant. So I'm curious to see how this whole fight week actually ends up playing out, especially on weigh-in day. Yeah, I think I think that's a very good point. And I think the situation with having that flyweight fight a little earlier on the card, Brandon Moreno was supposed to fight Alex Perez. Um, that was the original booking. He was supposed to fight Alex Perez. Uh, and I think to Moreno's surprise, Perez got the title shot over him. Um, and uh, so Moreno now has to fight Roy Val instead in a really tough contender fight. But yeah, you got four elite 125ers there. And if things go a little bit a little bit askew on, on Friday at the early morning weigh-ins, we might see the bout order have a little bit of, or, you know, the uh, the fight card have a little bit of a change. So uh, one to watch out for. Um, I'll probably be on weigh-in duty for Junkie actually on Friday. I think I'm working Friday. So I normally uh, I normally work in tandem with, with John Morgan who'll be over there um taking pictures and I'll be doing the live results. So um that would be certainly something I'll be keeping a very close eye on on uh, on Friday morning when they take to the scale at the UFC Apex. Um that's pretty much it. I mean it's gonna it's an absolute banger of a fight card. There's so many fun fights on that fight card. It's a twelve fight card and uh I mean Alan Joban's third fight on he normally brings it as well. So we've got we've got some really really good fights on the card. It should deliver plenty of action. Um, and uh, even if the two title fights might look a little bit lopsided on paper, I think the action that leads into them should be more than enough reason to make sure you're in front of the telly on Saturday night to check it all out. Should be a good one. But that pretty much rule, uh, that pretty much rounds things off, Sandu, for the Brit Pat this week. Absolutely. And for those of you that want to support the show, the best place to do that is thebritpack.substack.com. That's the Brit Pack. Substack.com. Go there, 
you drop your email, you can subscribe to our Substack, and then from there, you can just cherry pick where you want to listen to the show, whether it's on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, whatever tickles your fancy. For those of you that do enjoy listening to the show on Apple, if you could do us a solid, rate and review us there, that'd be fantastic because that really helps promote the show on the Apple Podcast algorithm. And if you want to follow us on social media, it's at Simon Head on Twitter and at Simon Head on Insta- oh, Instagram Sport, sorry, uh, at Simon Head Sport on Instagram. And for myself, it's at Sandu MMA across Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And the show is at the Britpack MMA on Twitter. And if you can't get enough of uh, Sandu's silky tones, and I'm sure you can't, and you like a bit of TV and film discussion, Sandu has another podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Screen, screen off script. Is that right, Sandu? Yeah. So, at well, the, the social handles are at Screen Off Script. But if you just search Screen Off Script on Spotify, Apple, every podcast platform, it should be available there. Or just go to my bio. There's a link in, in my bio across all my social media platforms, and there's a direct link to the the at Screen Off Script. Uh, platform there but yeah it's fun look i i love mma and i'm never going to stop enjoying this sport i'm going to be covering the sport for the rest of my life in some way shape or form my handle is literally at sandu mma right i chose that on purpose that being said i've had so many passions in my life Uh, my very first was films and tv shows i ended up doing a media studies uh college degree and then ended up doing a film studies degree at university and for the, for the longest time I thought I was going to somehow weave my way and get involved in the film and tv show business but you know life dealt me some different cards but here I am all these years later and it's I've kind of come full circle where I've uh, joined up with a buddy of mine here in Toronto and and each week we're talking about movies and tv shows the news we're, we're throwing up reviews so at the moment, we're currently in the middle of an eight-week stretch where we're dropping a weekly review on The Mandalorian, which is a Star Wars TV show available on Disney+. Plus. They're dropping a brand new episode every single week. So we're dropping a recap, review, and reaction episode every week, every week to accompany that. And when we get time, we're also going to do a few film reviews. So this week, we're going to be recording a Home Alone review and reaction and a, almost like a retrospective uh, look back at an amazing film, a Christmas classic. Today, as we're recording this, Simon, it's 30 years since Home Alone was first released at the cinema. And, um, you know, it's it's a staple, you know, as we get into December, you know, it's, Home Alone is one of those movies that you kind of go out of your way to seek out at some point over the Christmas holiday period. But, but yeah, it, it's another little project on the side uh, for me to do uh, to have a nice little break away from combat sports and MMA but still check the box of doing something that I love so I appreciate you mentioning that as we kind of end the show today love it love it get subscribing get on that one as well and uh, don't forget you can follow all our work Sandu is uh, will be will be on Twitter duty for BT Sport WWE for the Survivor Series it will also be um I don't know. Are you on duty for 255 Unox? It's pay-per-view, right? Well, here's the thing. Typically, I'm not, but I'm down. I'm doing the pay-per-view this weekend. So it's it's going to be a big one. Yeah, I don't, I've done a few pay-per-views this year, Simon. But I think now, most of the time, 
there's so much stuff happening with the on-camera talent, Adam Catterall, Dan Hardy, and those boys, that it's best for the UK-based social squad to handle the big pay-per-views because there's typically a, a pre-show and a post-show that's airing live. And that's certainly been the case for the bulk of the pay-per-views for the last six months or so. I don't think that's the case this weekend, which is why I'm on duty. So I'm essentially going to treat this like I would a typical fight night card. So yeah, I'll be on duty. So if you see stuff on the, the BT Sport UFC Twitter and Instagram handles, yours truly is the one that's slicing, dicing, cutting and clipping and publishing those bad boys. There you go. So Sandy's going to be a busy boy. I'm going to be a busy boy. I'll be on MMA Junkie duty all week this week. Uh, obviously, we've got Bellator Thursday night. We've got UFC Saturday. We have one championship Friday. UFC Saturday. Uh, and uh, actually, Saturday morning, first thing in the morning, I'm scraping myself out of bed to cover Rising. Mikuru Asakura going for the featherweight title uh, over there in Osaka, Japan. So uh, if you want to join me on MMA Junkie early doors on Saturday morning, I'll be doing live results and recaps on that as well. Busy week for the Brit Pack and uh, plenty of fights for you to get your teeth into. So enjoy the fights this weekend um, and uh, we will catch up with you next week to unpack it all.